Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the West York Entrepreneur. I appreciate you joining us as always. Um, before we actually get into our guest, as you know, I always have a really quick announcement. We are doing our first ever hiking business uh, event ever with the West York Entrepreneur Podcast. So we're partnering with Allegheny State Park. We're gonna do a couple mile hike in on a Friday and a couple mile hike out. We're actually gonna stay by a river. So you guys actually have to get to know each other, have some s'mores and build some actual relationships with other business owners in the area. We don't have a date set yet. We have to work on that with the park, but keep on the lookout if, if you have not subscribed to our email list yet. If you have not followed <laughs> us on social media, please make sure that you do and uh, you'll be the first to know about that. So that being said, let's get into our guest today. Uh, we have Angelo, the owner of Natali Builders, right here in Clarence, New York. Uh, Angelo, I appreciate your time, man. I know you're really busy. Mm -hmm. David, thanks for having me. Um, just going going along the lines of uh, your outdoor activity, this is what we do. We build houses outdoors. <laughs> if I go back to, uh, I quote um, Frank Lord Wright, there was a saying, not that I would use it with any of my customers, but one of his customers used to always complain about the roofs leaking because he built very low-pitched roofs. And his answer was, well, what do you want? It's it's outside in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't use that, but uh, no, it's funny. Enjoying the outdoors is very important, and, um, and uh, preserving the environment is also pretty important to us in, our, in the structure as we build a lot of green homes. Yeah, actually, you took the words out of my mouth. We're, we're going to yeah. talk about that eventually, about the green homes that you guys build. I know you guys got an award for it as well, if I remember correctly. Correct, yeah. Um, so anyways, so probably people are probably wondering, how does one just get into building? Is the one just born with it? Did you fall into it? Uh, tell us your story, how you kind of got into what you got into today. Well, to tell my story, you have to go back and look at my parents, their transition from Italy to America to where he started as a carpenter, transitioned to a painter, transitioned to building. And uh, from there, I took over, and, and I had a, a series of transitions from just building custom homes to developing land to developing office buildings to developing uh, apartment structures and now neighborhood communities. So it's always been a transition where we're always looking forward, staying within the real estate uh, realm, so to speak, but um, always looking for bigger and better uh, opportunities. Yeah. So what was the biggest thing you grabbed from your dad growing up in the business? What is the biggest thing that you like one or two things that really took you took away from them? My dad was an absolute perfectionist and um, better than I am, I will say, at focusing uh, on one particular home project where I was I, I consider myself more diversified. And I believe that's a bigger part of my personality. But the biggest thing I took at uh, took from my father was his tremendous focus on one project and doing it right and doing it right the first time. And that, you know, you, you keep that aspect in everything we do here and, and we try to transcend that 
position to all our employees and all our de department heads. Do it right the first time, then you don't have to fix it the second time. Right. I love it. So taking over the business from your father, I got to imagine that there was transition there. If there was, what did you learn in that transition? Did you, um, was it like uh, the employees or maybe it was scaling, things of that nature? What, what was the, the biggest thing that kind of sticks out to you from that? Transitioning from my father, he made it pretty easy. You know, he uh, he was at an age where he felt comfortable with me. Um, he achieved a lot of things, and uh, and we were a very small home builder. We built maybe six to eight homes a year, uh, up to ten. And um, what I I felt I needed to do better than what he did, um, or I didn't feel I would have achieved much. So we took it from. Uh, eight to ten, I started developing large custom homes in Spalding Lake. I was given a great opportunity there, and the career kind of took off from there. Um, I felt a need that I wanted to expand other than just residential into the um, into uh, investment opportunities, such as office development and apartment development, and it served us well over the years. You know, when when one part of the economy isn't doing well, the other part will take over and apartments and residential construction kind of they work hand in hand but at the same time they have different opportunity times for instance right now is a great rental time um, trying to find a rental apartment is difficult all our apartments are we're 100 occupied so it's it's worked out pretty well our main focus is residential construction home building neighborhoods and customs but uh the the transition was to start layering and developing your company. That's so good. So it almost like you recession proofed your your business in a way because you like I said one I like what you said one does better when the other one isn't. Mm -hmm. And so let me I want to stop our, our audience right there. So I want I want you to catch that. What is one or two ways that you can stay in your field of expertise or your niche, if you will, that you can recession proof your business? What is something you can do? Uh, that's a little different, but again, you stay in your niche, your, your lane, if you will. But sometimes, like, what's to say something happened today that maybe your biggest fear happens? How do you pivot? And we learned in COVID, we had to pivot in a lot of unique, different ways. Um, but what is that for you? I want you to, to think about that because, as we always know, sometimes our biggest fear does happen. But that, but that being said, Angela, so, Angela, so you, have, I know if I remember correctly, you have over 300 units. You now build over 60 homes a year, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So I gotta imagine you scaled quite a bit. You literally, if, I, if I'm doing the math, my correct, uh, my head correct, that's like five to six times what you were doing. Mm -hmm. So how was that? How did that look like for you? Was it just like we're just gonna hire more workers, or like how did that? How did that kind of go about? Because that's a pretty big scale. Uh, in in our situation, I found the opportunity and scaled to the opportunity. Um, I would say if going forward, if I were to take a back, take, take a look 10 years back, I would say I would have scaled my operations a little sooner and be prepared a little better rather than kind, rather than being, um, reactive. I think it's always best to be proactive when scaling your company. So if you know you're going to, you're going to extend yourself into a different, say, uh, a different direction, not a different direction, but a diversified arena, scale your operations first, know what you're going to do. Um, in my situation, growing my company, I had myself in every position in the company from sales, marketing, project management, 
uh, a little bit of the finance and uh, accounting, and you just can't do it all. You need to have operations below you. Um, I can't think of the name of the book, but there was a great book that really said you needed three facets of uh, business, which is you needed an entrepreneur, then you needed you know some uh, you needed a manager to manage your your vision. And then you needed some you needed some strong soldiers to put everything to use. And for me, I did all three of those aspects, and I really learned the business. Um, what I think you need to do is take yourself out of the positions and look at your business from from thirty thousand feet in the air down, and then have the proper team members on the right seat of the bus. Yeah. And you need to scale, I think, ahead of the opportunity versus being reactive when you have the opportunity. No, that makes complete sense. And uh, I think a lot of business owners fall into that. I don't want to use the word trap, just for, for, for you know, lack of better words here, that they try to do a little bit of everything. What do you think was the number one thing that you had to take off your plate that was like, man, that is, I'm so glad I did that. And if you were nervous, a lot of us like to keep control of everything, make sure everything's perfect. What do you think the biggest thing was for you that, that lifted you off your plate? I, <clears throat> well, you know, I, I, it was in my blood to be a, carpenter painter because that's what we started the family started in um but you can't do you can't be in the field 50 hours a week then try to sell then try to manage it's virtually impossible so one of the first uh employees i had was a i hired a um, site supervisor took that off the plate was allow me to allowed me to focus a little more on the sales and the management Second, I needed a good uh, finance director, hired her. She's still with us. We were working out of the my parents' garage for many, many years. And um, then the third person hired was um, in sales. So you slowly you slowly take yourself out of the position, but but not really. I, we still have meetings, um, information meetings that help me know what's happening in each department. And you need to layer those positions over time. That makes sense. All right. So that does come back to the question. So how did this whole career start for you? If you kind of, I know we talked a little about your story here, but how did your career really start, Angelo? I'm gonna give you the honest truth. The honest truth here. My career really started from a setback. Okay. I uh, I went out to law school in California. First time I left Buffalo. First time I left. The, the the stranglehold of Buffalo and, and my family's arms around me all the time. So it was, you know, a footloose and fancy free Angelo Natale out in <laughs> California, supposed to be studying law, but really learning more about the beach, fun, sun. And, uh, and uh, so I, I spent a year in law school, and to be honest with you, didn't do the best. But I came back from that, and what I took from that was my focus and drive was ultra high. Um, I was given a tip by a friend of mine, very very good friend of mine, to uh, look at a house in Lockport that was fire damaged. Not many people would have taken that challenge. But at that point in my life, I'm saying, okay, i got to get started on something here. Um, I had an attempt, a failed attempt, so let's make something positive out of something negative. I literally spent uh, from 6 in the morning till 4.30 working with my father. I'd come home, 
take a shower, have something to eat. And I ran out to the house from, say, 7 o'clock until 11 o'clock every day for a year, remodeling. I did everything in the house from plumbing to heating to drywall to flooring. Did you know all roofing. this stuff? Or did you kind of – I mean, obviously, I'm guessing there was no YouTube back then. You can't, you know. No, you know what I uh, – what I did is what I learned from my, uh, during the day, I would ask questions from the plumber, ask questions from the drywall guy, and I applied it. And it was a perfect opportunity to apply it because it was my own house, but it was for a four-family house that I had new hot water tanks, new toilets, new sinks, new plumbing. And at the time, it was all copper piping. Learned how to solder. You know, I, I read a little bit about it, learned, asked questions, remodeled the whole house, filled it. Um, it was a lot of work, and uh, that got me started on, on, I guess, putting a little money in the bank mm -hmm. to do the next project. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up buying another four-family in North Buffalo. I did the same, and I had a few bucks in the bank, mm -hmm. and I you know, I approached my father. I said, you know, let, let me try to build a house. Let's, let's build it together. You, you know, you've showed me enough. He put me uh, as an employer with our trim carpenter. So now I was doing trim carpentry as well, uh, trimming in our homes and other builders' homes. Did you attempt the, did your, your dad's business uh, attempt to build a home yet at, at that at, point? At not yeah. at that point. Okay. And not at that point. And I was always a painter because my father had the painting business as mm -hmm. well. So long story short, I, I assembled a lot of skill sets from working on my own working with my father who who did not want to start me off as a manager he wanted me to learn from the ground up and i think it's very very important to know all the positions and aspects of your business and for me i would say i'm probably one of three or four builders in the western new york that have learned from the ground up um so i approached my father going digressing a little bit i approached my father and i said let's build a house together and I happened to choose one of the largest in, uh, developments uh, for home scales in Western New York, Spalding Green, okay. or Spalding, um, Lake. Uh, Spalding Lake, to do my first home. And at the time, it was a 5,500-square-foot model home. So it was a huge chance. So you actually did, yeah, 5,500-square-foot model home. It wasn't like someone approached you. Wow, that's, no, wow. this was a model home, and I got to hand it to my dad uh, for allowing me to do that. And... Um, you know, we put our heart and soul into it, designed it, and ended up selling it. So it was a huge success. And I parlayed that into the next one. And um, we became known as one of the premier custom builders in Western New York. And we were doing really well. And th then there was a time where I saw the economy waning a little bit. And I said, Let's, we, need to, we need to diversify a little bit. So we started developing ranch homes. And we wanted to get uh, some of the... Uh, uh, empty nester population and we developing ranch homes and um, at the time I was really interested in green development I was I was enthralled with with uh, an article I read about uh, geothermal heating and cooling it's using the earth's natural ability to heat and cool your house and then I also started reading more articles about um, windmills solar panels so that led us into the path of green development. I had hired someone specifically to do research, and he did a great job researching all the different green techniques uh, in, in uh, green development. And we developed Rivera Greens off a of county road. 
first development in Western New York that had its own windmill supplying the electricity to light the street lights on on, uh, wow. on the street, which is typically a town tax expense. Um, it's a sky stream. It's, you know, people think of windmills and they think of what they see down on uh, Lake Erie. Yeah. It's not that. It's it's a sky stream. I don't know the exact diameter, but uh, maybe six to eight feet is a diameter of the windmill, and it and it suffices to have enough power to generate the electricity um, for the streetlights. Cool. All the houses in there had geothermal heating and solar panels, so you had energy neutral homes. Um, we did this development, and then uh, we got an acknowledgement by the National Builders Association. They uh, sent us uh, down to Vegas. We were at the home show or the uh, builder show in Vegas, and uh, they presented us with the number one green development in the country. Yeah. So it was a nice award to see the fruits of of your intention come yeah. to life. Are you tired of not being able to retain employees? Do you wish they would stay forever? Are you having a hard time attracting potential employees to your positions? I have the answers to those questions. Voluntary benefits through Colonial. Hi, I'm NJ Oliveri with Colonial, and I have a passion to help your business retain and attract employees for your company. It will be easier, more appealing, and super cost-effective because there is no cost to you, the employer. I'd love to have an opportunity to talk with you for 10 minutes on achieving all these goals and more. Give me a call at 716-474-4404. Once again, this is NJ Oliveri with Colonial, at 716-474-4404. I, I love that. And I want to go back to an earlier point just to make sure I didn't skip over that. What really fascinates me, again, as you could probably tell, Angelo, mm -hmm. I love psychology. How did this person become the way they are? How do they think that way? And and that, that's just a big part of my, where my brain always goes. So one thing I loved about what you did is, when you've worked on your very first home, so I know you just went through the whole gamut here of what, mm -hmm. what happened, but in the very beginning, you did something that I feel like most people don't do, and that's taking advantage of their surroundings mm -hmm. uh, in such a positive way. It's like, hey, I don't know how to do plumbing, but you had the plumber there mm -hmm. that you could ask during, during, the, during, during the week. The day. Mo yeah. yeah, and then you would, oh, I, I need to do this. I, this. There's this unique thing I have to do here, and you would ask the carpenter or whoever, the electrician, and that was so smart. Because back then, you're probably thinking, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Forget it. It's too much work. But it was that, is that intentionality. So, again, I want to ask our listeners there is what – look at your sphere of influence. It could be your uncle. It could be a friend. It could be a friend of a friend of a friend that you can come in contact here and there. And, then again, something you love doing that you want to work on, that you want to grow on, how are you taking advantage of all your resources? Sometimes we can sit there like me, like, well, I didn't have this growing up. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. But what do you have? Don't stop what you can't do. Stop with what you can actually can do. And I think that's so important to, to do that and learn. And then obviously, more importantly, apply because you applied it literally, what, four hours later mm -hmm. and what you learned. So I just, I just want to give you kudos for that. And mm -hmm. I, wanna, I want to I make sure that that didn't get glanced over in, in the awesome story that we talked about. That being said, I do want to do a shift into the entrepreneurship field. So I know this is a general question, but what sticks out to you when I ask you this, when I ask this question? What is like the biggest tip you can give entrepreneurs, whether they run a big company or maybe they're starting their company? What is the uh, a tip or something that you think that most people maybe don't talk about? Um, <clears throat> I would have to say that an entrepreneur needs to know their business, but there's going to be a point in time 
where that business owner needs to take a step back and not be so involved personally. Um, and I know it's hard to do for a lot of people that like to have the control. Um, but you can control your business from outside, meaning you empower the people that you hire to make the right decisions and you have to let go sometimes. And that was a tough thing for me to do and a tough thing for me to learn. I'm 56 years old right now. Um, I think I finally realized it, that you have to have layers. And I've had help from a friend of mine that always said, layer up, layer up. Um, you can still have that control, but for you to grow your business, you have to be outside of it looking in instead of inside uh, trying to be in every position. you know. Um, but it, you have to start from that ground position. Um, it, it's very few and far between that a business owner can create something and stay outside the circles before they were inside. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of working from the inside out is how I, I take a look at it. You start from the inside, work yourself out, and then that business should be able to uh, be an engine that can continue to roll without you being there in a, on a day-to-day -day basis. I think we just found our title for the podcast, mm -hmm. Building a Business, no pun intended, mm -hmm. from the inside out. Mm -hmm. I think that's our, that's our title here. Um, so that being said, obviously you're constantly learning. Technology is constantly changing. Um, and there's so many opinions on how we should even run a business this day. How do you kind of self-educate these days? How do you kind of stay on top of that or learn or be around people that are constantly learning? How do, I got to imagine a lot of things are pulling in you in different directions. How do you kind of maybe even have that laser focus in a way to keep doing something like that? You know, you know Buffalo is a little different than the rest of the country. Uh, I was president of the Builders Association years ago. And um, we had some uh, outside uh, consultants come in and talk to us, and we created this bucking the trend, which meant uh, Buffalo was a little different. We bucked the trend. And excuse me for digressing a little bit, but I'm going to get to where I'm going. You're fine. Um, uh, what I did notice is Buffalo acted, we we're probably a little behind the rest of the country. So I say by reading, networking, um, talking to peers outside your industry, uh, inside your industry, outside the area, allows us to stay ahead of the times here. Um, so, you know, we do, I do a fair amount of reading, uh, periodicals that come specifically through, uh, you know, builder magazines and uh, networking events. And I talk to people that are outside the Buffalo area because what that means is within maybe six months to a year, that'll start affecting us here. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. So it sounds like you like traveling too and getting outside perceptions. Right. I get one of my greatest ideas from when I'm over, I'm traveling and, um, and seeing these things. You're totally right. I do feel like you're actually generous six months to a year. I sometimes feel like Buffalo. And I mean this, you and I both love Buffalo. So this mm -hmm. isn't a, a dinge on Buffalo. For some reason, I feel like Buffalo is four to five years behind in some cases mm -hmm. uh, and everything that's coming. So, so I didn't know you were the president of the Builder Association. What got you involved with them? Is that because you just want to stay on the trends or you just want to be involved or it was a great way to network? What, what got you involved in that? Yeah, early on, um, as I was getting my career started, I was involved in the home uh, the home builder shows here. And um, we, used to, we build model homes in a, in a uh, subdivision. And uh, I noticed a lot of the builders were involved. And um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to learn more about the industry. 
Um, I haven't been as active lately as I've been doing a lot of, I have a lot of other business interests, but I do um, suggest that anybody interested in getting involved in a certain industry that reach out to their local chapter of, of their association and get involved early mm-hmm. on. That's good. This is a little, uh, even though it's kind of on the same subject, I do want to ask this question because I'm actually uh, curious to hear your your, uh, your answer on it. What is something everybody in your industry should stop doing or start doing? I'm not talking just about builders. I'm talking about maybe real estate developing, uh, maybe um, something, because I know you say like 300 units, so maybe we can go in that mm-hmm. aspect as well. What is something you think people should stop doing or start doing in terms of that? Or you could even be home building if you want to, so or maybe building a home or construction, things of that nature. Maybe you see a pattern somewhere. You know, I got to tell you, David, I think Buffalo does it better than anybody else in the country. I've traveled, traveled to Florida, California, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, Utah, everywhere. And the way we do things here is is really good. So I, I don't know if I could give the advice of anything that people should stop doing here other than maybe start worrying more about themselves. There's always a competition here. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're believer that let, let's be the leader in our industry and then other people can follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just don't know if I actually have any advice that some people should stop or start doing. No, I, I understand. And I actually appreciate that. So shout out, shout out to Buffalo again. Um, I got to imagine being in business as long as you have, sometimes it's just like we can get into a funk because everything's just going so well sometimes, or maybe, or maybe sometimes we can just get easily distracted. What is one way that you kind of stay motivated or get out of a slump if sometimes you're just like, is there anything else to do or even accomplish? Or maybe, maybe I'm completely off the mark here and you feel like there's always something to do, but maybe, maybe for some- me, when I wake up in the morning, I always have something to do, but I will tell you this and and if people don't say this, there's I think they're lying. Okay. There are going to be days that you wake up and you're not feeling good. You you feel like you have a lot of weight on your shoulders. Exercise is the best way for me to feel better. And you know I've got yet three young kids. Spending time with my family and the kids is another another great way of of kind of moving away from the business and just focusing on something else because you have to Mm -hmm. you can't be business 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 all day long all day night and business business some people do it Mm -hmm. some people have been tremendously successful for me i need a little downtime and my downtime is exercising golf and family and what better what better thing is there to do right? oh, you're, you're yeah you're, you're a golfer i love it yeah i love it i, I looked apart until i swing um, right so i'm not that good um Neither am I, I. I love that so i love that so one thing that we can make talk about before we hit record is i just love being around people that you love it just it energizes you kind of reminds us why we're doing it puts mm-hmm. life in perspective life is all about perspective how we see the world and whatnot mm-hmm. um so i love it i actually uh, i don't i don't actually i don't even think i told you this but a lot of times on social media, before I actually hit record, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm meeting with, uh, for example, hey, guys, I'm meeting with a well-known builder. I didn't even put your name out there. Mm-hmm. But I said, what question would you ask them? So I'm going to do a quick rapid fire. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask some questions. I know it's going to be hard for you, but try to keep it in 30 seconds or less so I can get people involved. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you know Greg Strauss, but he owns 716 Realty Group. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually put a couple questions in here. He put, hey, where do you see the cost of building heading in the next two to five years? Up. <laughs> up, fair it up, but you will see trends of uh, flatline. 
mm-hmm. um, right now, it, it went up tremendously in the past six months, okay. something that we couldn't control. We were doing damage control for six months, reaching out to our, our clients that we we're building homes for and trying to explain them, hey, look at we've got an inflationary situation that we can't afford to lose on 20 of the five, 20 of the uh, homes that we have going right now. Can you help participate? And I'm going to tell you this. Um, our customers, 95% of them were great. All, mm-hmm. all accepted the responsibility, chipped in, paid half, paid full. Um, and they all understood stood the situation because they knew at the end of the day they were going to get some great value out of the house. Mm-hmm. So it was a damage control situation that we had to experience. But I right now it's it's flatlined. You'll have periods of up and down, um, maybe with a uh, different administration. Um, we'll see a trending trending down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But right now it's a difficult time to build the. Conversely, though, you, you, you do see great value in homes. Yeah, because obviously if that goes up, the cost, everything else goes up, so you make out in the end. What is uh, What do you think is the solution for the shortage of homes built nationally in the past 10 to 15 years, and how do we get the housing stock stabilized? I'm not sure if that's a fair question to ask, but that's what, that was Greg's second question. I think the biggest thing we have to work on is um, is the uh, opening up of trade um, – uh, shipping shipments. Uh, I think we're, we were having a difficult time with, uh, and lump, specifically with lumber, on through Canada. Uh, the shipping lanes weren't open. They were having difficult time with labor. Um, There's a you know combination of things which caused a, a, a issue that we had, and um, I think labor uh, increasing the labor force would be a, a tremendous, uh, a major uh, tr- uh, help. Oh, awesome. Uh, Patricia Herberger, thanks for your question. What is the latest and greatest features people are asking for in their homes to make life easier or just for fun? Maybe you've seen uptick in something the past year or two. Uh, open floor plans mm-hmm. and more efficient floor plans. Uh, not necessarily larger homes anymore, but smaller. Uh, I see people customizing smaller homes and uh, using unique fe- features in the house. But definitely more of a trend towards uh, the open uh, space. Awesome. Um, how are and uh, Aaron Mara? Thanks again for your question. How are they planning to accommodate the shift in the buyer profile, specifically the single millennial professional buyer? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to touch on that, maybe. Um, yeah, the single millennials. Um, as it is right now, families are having fewer kids than they used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be three to four kids. Now it's two to three kids, mm-hmm. and sometimes one kid. Um, that may that trend may shift, but uh, single millennials, townhouses. Uh, what we're finding is that the millennials are very uh, fluid. Um, they like efficiency, but they move. You know, they're on the go, like yourself. You're you're a networker. You're on the go. Um, and uh, rental opportunities, as I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, um, playing off the apartments and the rental and making it efficient and cool. And also for people that still want homeownership, which is still the American dream to be a homeowner, townhouses and smaller efficient homes. Mm. Last question here. Uh, Jeff Mason is a good friend of mine. Lives in Jamestown, so the South Town's over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of your uh, daily challenges in a project, and how do you overcome them? Entitlement. Um, 
you know, I was just down in Florida looking at some uh, development opportunities and um, uh, not to knock Western New York, but there's definitely not a, a red carpet rolled out for you when you go to do development projects. It's, it's difficult at times, tenuous at times. Uh, you also have to deal with uh, governmental entities such as the DEC, Army Corps. Uh, these are all entities that could potentially stop growth. Um, whereas down down south, you're seeing more of a open hand approach. Uh, come in, develop. As long as you're meeting all the requirements, you go ahead and, and develop. Uh, I just see the potential problem here is is some of the governmental entities. Mm. And you're really good. At, you're really good at efficiently answering these questions or asking these questions here. So, um, or answering. Excuse me. So that's all the time we have. We're at 30 minutes. We're actually okay. at 31. So, Angelo, um, a lot of times I always ask people at the end, whatever you feel comfortable with. You don't have to put your world out there. But if someone has a question for you, maybe they really love this podcast. Like, hey, I have a question that Dave didn't, and you know, didn't get a chance to ask you, or maybe I didn't think of. Um, what is the best way for people to contact you about maybe asking questions about business and things of that nature? I would say let's start with our, my email. Angelo at NataliaBuilders.com. And uh, if the issue or question needs uh, a higher detail, we can discuss on the phone after after we've had a few uh, conversations. Yeah, awesome. I know you're a busy guy. You don't want anybody calling. I get you. Um, thanks again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait for everybody to listen to this. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was great. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to WNYEntrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.